I remember that I was stressing about something. I don't remember what. But at some point, it just suddenly got resolved. I don't know what it was, but it just wasn't an issue anymore. Like tangibly was not an issue anymore. And I felt my worry. (laughs) I felt it transfer to the next kid. It was like, I was so worried about this thing. And then I couldn't worry about it anymore because it really didn't make any sense. And I just felt it. I found something to worry about. It was so clear to me. Hello there. I'm Tanya Khazanov, and you are listening to Human and Holy. This conversation that I'm about to share with you is one that I so enjoyed having. This woman is someone whose open heart and real internal journey is something that is palpable in every word that she shares. We talk about a topic that I would say lies at the center and at the heart of so much of our push and pull in life, which is learning how to be a co-creator with God, to show up fully as creators and proactive agents in our lives, and also to surrender, to listen, to be open to Hashem's guidance and for Him to take us where our souls are meant to go. After an episode that we did a couple weeks ago, we did a live Q&A on Instagram where we took listener questions and heard a little bit more from our guest and got more personal and casual. And it was a really fun experience and we got great feedback on that. So I want to do it again. So if you're listening to this and you have any follow-up questions for Esty that you want to hear from her about how she got from point A to point B, a little more about her journey, her process, her sources, her books, her teachers, reach out to us, email us at info at human and holy.com or visit humanandholy.com and reach out to us through the contact form, share your questions, and we will do our best to answer as many as possible when we do the live Q&A with her a couple days after this episode airs. All right, now on to today's episode. The bar is so low in the winter. It's like, how are you? I'm not sick. That's amazing. (laughs) I recognize your background from Instagram. I remember when you were creating your studio. Yeah, I know. It's like a miracle. Like I can't believe that this exists and I have it. It's like my own place. And it really makes such a difference. Like there's something about space and having my own space and a space that looks beautiful. And like, I feel like I walk into it and it's like created especially for what I want to create. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. What does the room represent for you? So just to give backstory, you created this studio in your basement that you carved out for yourself, designed for yourself in order to create there, et cetera. Tell me what it represents for you, the room itself. So it's interesting because it's a little bit different than when I originally created it. I've been a designer for so many years and I've always had a little bit of freelance clients on the side, but I also always worked for an agency or an organization. Like I worked for like all the organizations in Crown Heights, all of the (laughs) agencies in Crown Heights. Like I I hopped around and 
I was working at Mercas for many years, like seven years. And it was just, I was getting very, like I was just done. Like I was getting very creatively restless. I felt like I wasn't creating for myself. I loved it because I was doing work that was meaningful. Like I believed in, it was like creating programs and brands and flyers and stuff for Shluchim, which is like meaningful work for me. It meant a lot, but it was getting very creatively stagnant. And then I started doing digital illustration. So that kind of changed my work a little and didn't really need that Americas. So I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do anymore, which was design and illustration together. So then when COVID hit, there was like nothing. I wasn't working for them. And then I just slowly stopped working for them completely. And I just, I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to freelance. I'm just going to like work for myself and find my own path and my own power and creating this studio. It was like a big commitment to that. It was a big investment. Just financially, it was a big investment. And yeah, it's paid off. It's paid off. Oh, so what's different about it is that when I originally started creating it, I wanted to share it. Like I wanted to be a space that I mm-hmm. shared with people, that I shared with other creatives and that, and like taught design, taught spirituality, like the things that I was learning and caring about. And then I made it and I completely lost the desire to share it. And I felt a lot of shame about that for a really long time. But I finally learned that's okay. I created the space for myself. It feels really good to have my own space. And there was something about needing to share it that was like, I didn't have permission to just have a space that was just for me. You know, like I didn't have that internal permission. Like I had this pressure, like I had to do something really productive with it or like, oh, it's too big for just me. So like I have to share it. I've since come to realize that it's okay. It's okay for me to have a space that's just mine. And I do share it. I share it with my kids. I share it with my husband. No, um, no, it's just become part of the house. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> it's, it I'm really also like it made our house feel so much bigger because we have yeah. this extra room. But yeah, it's just mine. It's just mine. And like now I want to create spaces to share that are not in my house. Yeah. Oh, that are outside of my house. <laughs> I was going to say like, in a way you justified creating it because you were like, I'm creating this space for women. So I have to make it beautiful and I have to create this creative oasis where women can come and create and connect with each other because there was absolutely no permission to create that beautiful, creative, enriching space just for yourself. And I want yeah. to say right now you're sharing it with us. So thank oh, you for true. sharing your creative <laughs> space with us and letting us have this conversation here. Thank you. I actually totally had this wallpaper in mind, like, oh, I'll do video classes or Mm. whatever. And it turned into like, oh, this is my background for like all my client meetings and things like this. And like, that's good enough. You know, that's incredible. That's good enough. Not good enough. It's a perfect use for it. Yeah, exactly. It's the perfect use for it. So realizing that we didn't even introduce you, even though we're already deep inside, tell us your name. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. We already got a snippet. I kind of like this. We're not going in the linear path. So tell us your name and tell us a bit about yourself. Perfect. That's perfect yeah. <laughs> for our theme or whatever. We'll probably yeah. touch on that because it's a big theme for me in my life right now. So my name is Esty Raskin. 
I live in East Flatbush, like right near Crown Heights. Never imagined, not in a million years, that I would be like living in Crown Heights. But here we are. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. I grew up on Shlachas. I've been a designer, graphic designer, literally since I'm 13. Like I tell people I've been designing for 20 years. They're like, how old are you? So I'm only 35. But literally since I'm 13, like since I was in my father's Chabad house when I first like started playing around on the computer and I was homeschooling then in the Chabad house. So it was like just me. I had tons of time. And he's like, here, make this flyer, make this thing. Like I was literally designing things all the way. And I just taught myself like through my teen years. And I recently also started illustration. So I also, I always had this like very artistic side and it got a little lost in the graphic design because you don't really, it's an artistic expression. Like it's an artistic skill, but it's not, you're not making your own art. Like it's very much not there. So when I started hand drawing with an Apple pencil and iPad, I suddenly became like an artist. Like all of this art just came out of me. And what I love doing now is a combination of illustration and design. So that's what I do professionally. I have my own company in my house, in my studio, and that's what I do. And I love that. That's very cool. I love that you found the fusion between doing like your profession, which was graphic design and also a little bit more creative expression with the illustration. Yeah. Cause yeah. you're obviously also offering a much more unique product if you're an illustrator, graphic designer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's much more customized, unique. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Also like so much of graphic design is like creating those icons and the fact that you're able to illustrate it as opposed to just sourcing, it makes whatever you're offering very customized to your client. Yeah. Okay. So you're a creative, you grew up on shluchas. I love how you're like, I was a graphic designer since I'm 13 years old. I believe it. And that's like the beauty of shluchas. It's just like, I've been in this profession for a long time. It's great. So talk to us a little bit. Today, we, I mean, our broad topic that we're going to be discussing, which I'm sure we're going to not take the linear path, but is this idea of co-creating our realities with Hashem. What does it mean to be open to Hashem's input in our lives. Obviously Hashem is the creator of the world and also approach it with a co-creator energy of like, I also have agency. I show up to this relationship. I show up to my life with a significant amount of creativity and not just not in the artistic form, even though that too, but in the form of like, I choose to create my life and I also make space and surrender to Hashem's creation of my life. So tell me why this topic is so personal to you. Take us on your journey a little bit. Start wherever you think is appropriate. I think my first dip into this worldview or like understanding of reality, which today is very, very strong and settled for me. Of course, I'm always I'm always learning more, but there's something foundational about it that like I could never go back. I've always been a very, very sensitive person in a family that didn't really have space for that. Like there was no understanding of that. And I used to get into really bad moods and they would just come out of nowhere, like completely out of nowhere. And I didn't, I had no idea how to handle them. I remember when I was, I think I was like 21 and I was speaking to my aunt who is a life coach and who I never, ever spoke to in my life, but like I happened to be visiting there and she and I went out and we were speaking and 
I told her about this, how it like it really bothered me that I felt like I had no control over my emotions. I had no control over my experience. It completely controlled me. And she gave me like my first lesson and she was like, our feelings come from somewhere. They're triggered by a thought. And if you can go back and see what that thought is, then you can confront it and you can decide, is it true? Is it not true? If it's true, do I want to do something about it? Do I not want to do something about it? If it's not true, then you can let it go. And obviously, it's not that simple. And I have since very, very much expanded the way I understand feelings and thoughts. It's not exactly like that. I very much expanded the way that I deal with feelings. It's grown a lot since then because I'm just like a student like that. Like I'm constantly just learning. But that was my first taste and I checked it out. Like I tested it out the next time and I was like, oh my God, there's this whole, like it worked. And I was like, there's this whole reality that I just have no clue about, like zero clue. I don't know about this. And it took a lot more experiences and a lot more years and a lot more learning until I understood how one, this reality, the psychological reality is with the spiritual reality. Like I had learned Hasidus my whole life. I mean, since I was 13 and homeschooling, because <laughs> before that I wasn't in a Chabad school. Life started at 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much everything. So I went to base Rifka. I went to seminary. I love learning. I love Hasidus. I never, ever thought that it was about me. I never knew that. And I knew it. Of course, I knew it. You know, like I knew it in my head. Yeah. But I never knew it. I never knew that it was really true, like really true. And when I started learning about the psychological reality, the way the mind works, the way we perceive reality, the way we co-create reality, the way we react to the things around us, that's when it started clicking for me that our psychological world is our access point to spirituality because they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Like we have a we have a soul. What is that soul? It's our psyche. And it is our spiritual reality. Mm. And it is our psychological reality. Like we know it's hard to talk about accessing the soul because like what is that? I don't know what that is. What are you talking about? I can't see it. I can't hear it. But we know what it means to talk about our thoughts. We know what it means to talk about our feelings, right? And that's the stuff that we can access and it is our direct access point. Uh, So did I answer your question? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't even remember, but (laughs) who cares? (laughs) What you just said is so illuminating because that question of what is my soul? Like when we talk about this spiritual self, this divine peace in me, this spiritual experience, like I can't access that necessarily. And especially people who don't feel that they lean more spiritual or that it's harder for them to connect to things that they can't see or touch. It's like, I don't even know where to begin. What is the secret part of me that we're discussing? And it feels very out of reach or almost 
maybe imaginative. So the way that you said that, that you had been learning Chassidus all your life and it never penetrated as like, oh, this is about me, I think is very directly connected to what you said about what is the voice of my soul. When you started to recognize that the voice of your soul was the voice of your psyche, the voice of your inner world, the voice of your feelings, emotions, thoughts, and that was the bridge that you needed to suddenly think like, wait, that thing that I learned, I think it's talking about me. Yeah. Is there anything specific that you could think of that shows that connection that you experienced between, oh, myself is my soul? I don't have a direct answer to that. It's just not coming up for me right now, but I'll just share what is coming up for me. And me doing this is like, this is a new way of being for me. Saying, I'm not going to answer that question because nothing is showing up for me in answer to that question, but I'm going to tell you what is occurring for me because that is what my soul is communicating to me right now. And that's what's present for me. And that's what I need to bring to the conversation because that's what I'm getting. So what I'm getting is a muscle that I thought of actually just a few days ago. And you know, Tanya, like we pushed off this conversation so many times because yeah. you were sick and then I was sick and my kids were sick. And like this winter has just been like a winter of sick and today <laughs> like almost didn't happen. And we just kept pushing it off. And you're like, I trust in our divine timing. And you're so right. That's also something I'm still learning. It's so hard to let go of when you think the time is right and allow it to be right because it's what Hashem wants. And the amount of things that I have to share with you now over when we were supposed to do it is like a tremendous amount. So this is the time. This is the right time. And if we did it next week, I would have more. You know what I mean? And different. Yeah. Yeah. So this much I just thought of on Shabbos and... You know how my kids have like this, it's like a science kit. So it's like a circuit board and you like launch a rocket. It's like this little toy, whatever. I remember doing circuit boards in school. So I was like very excited to do it and show them that I knew how to do it because they didn't know. Like they go to Alitara, they don't ever learn science. So we were doing this circuit board thing and it's like you have this piece, you have the battery and then you have the launcher button or no, no, you have the button. I don't know. You have like a few pieces that you have to connect with the wires. And when they're all connected, the circuit is closed and the electricity flows through. And what I was thinking is that our soul is not a separate thing from us. It's not like another piece. It's not like we have a mind, we have a body, we have a soul. Our soul is the totality of us. It's when all parts of us are on board and all parts of us have value and have a place in our view of life, in how we approach life. It's like the sum total, but like more than the sum total. It's like once you connect and you bring on board all the different parts of yourself, that's when you can access your soul. Does that make sense? Yes, very much. We often think about it as a part, like the soul is a part. And you're saying the soul is not a part. The soul is all of me. That's what my soul is. Yeah. My soul is all of me. Like the soul is a part of God, but it's not a part of me. It is me. It is me. Oh my gosh. Everything that you're saying, like, I feel it. First of all, I love that you were like, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to tell you what's coming up for me. I so appreciate that energy because that is what creates authenticity in a conversation is if I share something and you share what you feel or think or what that sparked for you in response, as opposed to 
going offline and being like, wait, what does she want me to answer? Like, let me try to figure out mm. something in response to her question, but no, what is actually coming up for me? So a, I really appreciate that you did that. And B that idea that the soul is all of me. Yes. It's a part of God, but it's not a part of me is such a powerful knowing and such a powerful idea to be sharing here. Because I think that very often we feel disconnected from our souls and we think, oh, I shelved my soul or I'm not really tuned into my spiritual self right now. And like, I'm just kind of like shutting down that part of myself and we compartmentalize it as one thing, but then something doesn't feel okay. Something doesn't feel right. We don't feel that wholeness. And it's not that there's a piece that's missing here. I think it's that, no, all of me is missing when that element of soul of like being connected deeply and in tune with myself is not in the conversation of my life. There's like an emptiness or a hollowness because it's not just a piece that's missing, but it's a, it's an essential connection between all parts of myself that's missing. Mm, Okay. I hear what you're saying. And I would say it a little bit differently. Okay. When we feel that disconnect and like not connecting with my soul, I think we are in some way shutting down some other part of ourselves. And that's why we're not feeling aliveness or connection. So when I say like our soul is the sum total of us, it's like if we're not whole in all of the parts of us, we're not cut off from our soul, but we feel less access to our divinity when there's a part of us that is being shut down. So for me, for a long time, that part was my feelings. As a sensitive kid, in a culture, like we have so much in Chabad and in Hasidus, but in a little way somewhere, at least for me, like we've lost the plot a little bit. Like the mind part that Chabad Hasidus brings, I think it's really meant to come on in addition to an understanding or like a natural appreciation for my body, my feelings, all the parts of me. And what was missing in those generations, in the Alter Rebbe's generation, what was missing was the mind piece. What was missing was the thought piece. But I do think that those people, they were in touch with their feelings. They were in touch with their bodies. Like their self was important to them. And we've gone a little bit far in dismissing our bodies and our feelings. And if we don't have all three on board, that's when there's something missing. There's like we're missing a connection somewhere because the truth is that Hashem created all of us, all parts of us. I mean, not all the people, obviously all the people, but Hashem created all the parts of us. And like the Jewish belief in God is very unique in that Hashem is fully transcendent, fully non-reliant on the world, fully independent and spiritual and all of that stuff. And he's also fully physical and fully has created a fully physical and tangible world. And the God of Judaism, I think, is in the connection of those two, in the both of them. Yeah. Right? In the transcendent God and in the imminent God. Yes. So if we're like up here in our spiritual spirituality and ignoring the other parts of us, our body and feelings and, you know, all the stuff that comes along with it, our relationships, 
our homes, our physical space. Like Hashem made all of that for us. We're not meant to just be living in one end of the spectrum, like in the spiritual end of the spectrum, like all of it is part of us. So yeah, bringing on board and honoring, really honoring and appreciating our, again, feelings and body, but those are big umbrella terms. But that's where we connect the circuits of all of us. All of me is important here. All of me is showing up to the situation. All of me gets to contribute to whatever my relationship with Hashem is. Yeah. And by the way, I was using your definition of soul to speak about it, which I think you're explaining it even more deeply, but that when I think there's like a part, when I feel like my soul is not online, often you can find information for why your soul is not online, why your full self is not vibrant, alive, awake in other elements of who you are, because like you said so beautifully, those are parts of your soul. When we ignore those parts of ourselves, we are ignoring our soul. And that's why it feels like, yes, I'm like tuning, just to explain further what I meant. Yes, I'm tuning in possibly to spirituality. Yes, I'm technically doing the things, but I don't feel online. I don't feel whole. I feel a hollowness because as you so beautifully said, my soul is not a compartmentalized part of myself. It's every element of myself being fully expressed and part of my life. And the fact that you brought in feelings, emotions, all the different elements of who I am, I want to explore a little bit what that was for you. But first, I just need to say how gorgeous it was that you express this through the imminence and transcendence of God. The fact that God is in every detail, every part of who I am, and also God is transcendent because God is the details of who I am. And also God is the wholeness of who I am. He's the imminence within me and the transcendence of my identity. That is gorgeous. Full stop. <laughs> yeah. It's gorgeous because it's true. Yeah. And that's like a big piece for me is like, we have to get accurate about what's going on. And leaving out part of the picture is just, it's not accurate. It's just not accurate. And God is in the accuracy. He's in the truth. That's what he is. So leaving out part of the picture by superimposing ideas over our experience instead of honoring our experience and trying to understand why we're experiencing something, that is accurate. That is the accuracy. And superimposing like oh, this is Hashkacha Pratis or Gamzula Tova. Everything is going to be good. I don't have to bring myself to the situation. I don't have to understand myself. I don't have to honor myself in the situation. You're leaving out a part of the picture. You're not being accurate to what Hashem is giving you in this moment, which is all of you. And Hashem directs the whole world, right? We know this, Hashkacha Pratis. Hashem is recreating the world every moment. And the way that we learn it is, Hashem recreates the physical world every moment. He's recreating your world every moment. And what's also true that I personally never learned, and this was a revelation for me as an adult, is that Hashem creates your inner world at every moment. Like the hashkacha practice of your inner world and I, all of it, all of it, all of mm. your thoughts, all of your feelings, all of your choices, Hashem creates that for you every single moment. And that's where Hashem is within you because he's literally everything that you see in your inner world. And it's a big distinction that also took me a long time to learn. There's an outer world and an inner world, and they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Hashem directs 
your inner world at all times. And that's where you get back to the co-creator part. Yeah. Because it's not just like, you know, I have to create the situation. So Hashem is also creating part of the situation. That's also true. Of course, that's true. But Hashem is also giving you the feelings that you're feeling right now. And he's asking you, what do you want to do with this? Right? Hashem is giving you the choices that you see. We never see all of the choices. Like, sometimes we get so stuck in a situation and we only see two choices or it's like, I have this option or this option. And that's not true. Like there's a limitless number of ways you could go about anything. There's a limitless number of options, but Hashem is the one that gives you the options that you see. And the more you see that, the more you see the truth of that, the more options you get. And that's where creativity comes from. Ooh. Yes. Okay. I have like 50 tabs open in my brain and I'm like, which one okay. should I click on? <laughs> the chicken because you brought up so much just now. I think I'm going to take it to the last thing that you said, because it will continue to carry our conversation forward. Even though there was so much there about just how MS is wholeness and MS is all encompassing and touches every piece of who we are. We could go down that avenue too. I think we'll come back in. I want to talk about what you said about Hashem recreating our inner lives at every moment. The incredible awareness that Hashem is a part of every detail of my inner world, that my thoughts and feelings are not a mistake, and that Hashem is giving us this opportunity to enter into a co-creation with Him and what that actually looks like in our lives. Because when you said that, I'm like, it's true. We often think about Hashkach Pratis in terms of our outer world, the things that happen to us. But what about my thoughts, my feelings, my reactions to the world? What invitation is Hashem giving to me to show up here and to change my own reality, to change the way I perceive, to change the way I feel, et cetera? So tell me what that has looked like for you. Give us any examples or any insights you have into what that actually looks like for you to show up to whatever Hashem is offering you in your inner world and to co-create that inner reality that you're experiencing. Okay. So I'll tell you a scenario that comes to mind, but first I just want to back up a little bit and just bring in the piece of, do you ever read Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning? Yeah. Yeah. So he talks about how between stimulus and response, there's a space. Between what happens around us, outside of us, to us, and the way that we we react, it's not a cause and effect. There's a space there. Mm, And we don't, I mean, life happens so, so quickly that we don't see that space. And we just react the way that we've always reacted or the way that we've been conditioned to react. And the work of self-improvement, self-growth, and spirituality, one and the same. And what I want to teach people, because it's such a pivotal lesson for me, is expanding that space so that you can like zoom in. You know, when you zoom in like on the iPhone, like if you have a video, if you're editing a video, the closer you get, the closer you zoom in, the bigger it is. Like it takes up more space. You could see more of it at once. So Zooming into that space, understanding what that looks like, and then understanding how to leverage it. Because that's where your Bechira comes in. That's where your co-creation comes in. And I'll just tell you a couple of things that happened years ago that were so small, but when they're new, you really notice it. 
I remember one morning I had like a few little kids and I was, I don't know, trying to get them ready for school or something. And I was really stressed out and they were stressing me out. They were making me anxious. They were making me just like, I was not okay inside. And it 100% looked like it was coming from them. And this is most of life. Like we're in Gullis. This is what life looks like. Our job is to get out of that worldview, but this is what it looked like. So I was sitting on the floor and I was just, I don't know what to do here. Like this is so overwhelming. I'm so stressed out. And then my husband walks into the room and I saw myself. I like literally saw it happening in slow motion. I saw myself pick up that anxiety and move it over to him and dump it on him. And now he's the one making me anxious and he's the one stressing me out because, and I could think of a hundred reasons, like why wasn't he helping me? Why isn't he doing this? Why do I always have to do this? Like there's so much evidence for that being true, but it's like really not true. And when you see it slow down in, in that way, it was like, okay, like that's kind of embarrassing. I can't really pin this on him right now because I just saw myself pick it up and dump it on him. And that was one, it was like, I just had to laugh at myself. And you just like, you have to laugh at your ego, like trying to trip you up like that. It's just funny. And of course, it's not funny. And we're all dealing with a lot of (laughs) garbage from it. And it's hard and life is extremely painful. But sometimes we get these little glimpses of that space. And in that moment, when that slowed down like that, in that moment, you have a choice. Now you have some more choice, right? It's like, do I want to continue dumping this on him? Or do I want to take responsibility for that, accountability for that anxiety? And this is definitely not to say to blame yourself. It's not about blame. It's just about where does it belong? Where does it belong? Does it belong on my kids? Does it belong on my husband? Does it belong on the weather? Does it belong on this morning? Or does it belong with me? And saying it belongs with me is the same thing as saying it belongs with God. Because I didn't make it. I didn't create it. I never meant to have this feeling. Hashem gave it to me. Hashem created it for me. And now he's asking me what I want to do with it. Now that I see it in slow motion, it's like, well, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to keep living like this? You could. You could just keep living like this. Do you want to go learn and understand why you're living like this? Do you want to sit with that feeling and try and understand it so that it can maybe be your friend and help you instead of tripping you up every day? I had a similar experience also around that time where I was very worried about one of my kids, like for, I don't even remember the reason, like it wasn't such a big deal. And sometimes your mind can give you clues that like you're being a little overreactionary because it's not really such a big deal. Like you know that they'll be fine. You know that it's a little irrational, your fear or your worry, but like you have it. What are you going to do with it? You're living with it. And if you don't have the tools to take care of it, then you don't know what to do with it. So I did not have the tools to take care of it. And I remember that I was stressing about something. I don't remember what, but at some point it just suddenly got resolved. I don't know what it was, but it just wasn't an issue anymore. Like tangibly was not an issue anymore. And I felt my worry. (laughs) I felt it transfer to the next kid. It was like, I was so worried about this thing 
And then I couldn't worry about it anymore because it really didn't make any sense. And I just felt it. I found something to worry about. It was so clear to me. I found something else to worry about, about the next kid. Mm. And those are really good clues to your inner world. Really good clues. Yeah. That was so insightful. That whole process that you described of watching yourself transfer that emotion or that blame onto something else or someone else or a different circumstance in your life as a way of distracting from that space within you and like finding the tool to navigate between cause and effect. You worded that so beautifully, like your follow-up to Viktor Frankl's idea of that pause and saying that our lives, our inner worlds to our outer worlds are not cause and effect. It's not this happens and then automatically this happens. There is a space and being able to zoom in and extending that space and giving ourselves opportunity to be co-creators in that space and to initiate a new type of response is so powerful. When you zoom in to those experiences, stressed with your kids, in the morning, getting them off to school and they're making me crazy. Okay. Now my husband's making me crazy and now the weather's making me crazy or whatever it is. What are those tools that you use in that space to say, okay, Hashem is giving me this cause. And then what is the, how am I going to choose the effect in my life and in the way that I show up to the world and also to my inner world? Cause it starts there. As you said, I love that you said, how am I going to choose the effect? Because that actually doesn't really occur to me. It's like you being able to choose the effect or choose the reaction is the, a natural result of you having more choice in the moment. So it's almost like it's like a masculine energy to say, how am I going to fix this so that I can choose this? And where I'm trying to grow in my femininity is saying, how do I take care of myself and lean into what's true here, what I want here, what's important here, what's real here. And then whatever happens, happens. So it's like a very subtle distinction, but I'm happy that you asked the question because this is definitely really big for me. Having these tools is so big for me because for so many years, I just spun out in my head. Like I was totally convinced that thinking about things over and over and over was going to solve my problems. And like, let me tell you, it does not because you thinking about your problems over and over and over, you're sitting in the same ideas and answers that have already not helped you. So getting out of your head And of course, this is for a person that is excessively in their head. If you're excessively not in your head, maybe you need to get into your head a little more. You know, I don't know. I could just speak from a place of being excessively in my head. And instead of staying there, I go into my body and I go into my feelings. And it's really hard because it's like, how is that going to help the situation? I need to make a decision now. I need to figure this out. But you know what? You don't because you're actually not in a good place to figure this out right now. You're really not in a good place. And literally this morning, my kids are like this winter of like some days sick, some days not, some days a little bit sick. Every day is like another thing and school starts to feel optional and I get very stressed out. Like, no, these kids have to be in school. But I used to get so angry and like I had to make sure that this went the right way. And like, if I didn't make sure they went to school, it was like going to ruin everything. And now it's like, I still think those things, but I know that that's not helpful to me. And 
this morning, I literally, my cleaning lady was in the house and she's like, are you okay? Like what's wrong? Cause I was standing there taking very deep breaths. Like maybe it looked like I was sick or something. I was just like, (sighs) really, really breathing because that's the first step. Your breath brings you back to the present. It brings you back to your body. It reminds you that you have a spirit inside of you that is connected to the infinite wisdom of everything. We literally are connected to all of the solutions in the world. There's a reality in which our problem does not exist. It's already solved because that place is beyond time and beyond logic. And we actually are connected to that. We actually can access that. And the way that we do it, again, coming from someone who is naturally excessively in my head, the way that I do it is by including all of me. And including all of me for me means bringing on board my body and my feelings. Mm. And it's really as simple as starting with a breath, reminding yourself that you're held, that Hashem is creating the situation. He's going to take care of you. Other people are going to be okay if you cancel your appointments. Whatever has to happen is going to happen and everyone will be fine. It's not a life or death situation. Unless it is. Okay, that's another story. But most of life is not. And once you take a deep breath, you can get into noticing your body. And what does my body need right now? It's like we're so busy being really good at taking care of everyone else that we forget that we have to be taken care of. We're adults. Nobody's doing it for us anymore. We have to do it. We have to send ourselves to the bathroom. We have to get ourselves a drink. It's like some days I'm busy pouring water like a hundred times for my kids and I just forget to drink. And sometimes your feelings are going to remind you of that. And ignoring your feelings and saying, oh, I don't have to think about this now. It's going to be okay. I don't have to, I don't have to deal with this or just refusing to feel or distracting yourself, going on your phone, anything that you do to distract yourself. And anxiety, like you said, is a distraction from feelings. Like anxiety in your head, you know, spinning out in your head. That's a really good distraction from your feelings and from your body. And sometimes we just have to start with the simple things. Get yourself a drink. Do you need to go lay down? It might be easier than you think it is. Like you might actually have the time. You don't really know until you consider it important to take care of yourself. And that's the first place to go into your body. And then it's like, where am I holding tension in my body? Can I breathe into it? Can I soften it? Can I get some oxygen to that place? And then you go to your feelings. And let me tell you, it's really hard. It's not easy, especially if you've been really good at ignoring or suppressing them. It's really not easy, but it's vital. And it's your connection to your subconscious. And the things that come up when you allow your subconscious to speak to you are like pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Like you start to see how much you've been ignoring. Did I finish there? Oh, a hundred percent. Well, there, I mean, 
you said so much, but I don't think you finished. I can sense that this is such a deep, real process and experience for you, that there's so much more that you could share on this. I want to say that I think that you sort of dismantled the premise of the question really beautifully, which is that zooming in full stop, slowing down time, getting that notion of just breathing is about slowing down time, slowing down the racing thoughts and experience that I'm having to say, I'm not in danger right now. I can ground myself in my body so that I can actually be present to whatever is happening, like physically present. And that grounding, that really leaning into that space is what changes everything. Like we don't have to be so, sometimes it feels like I have to be really intentional. Like what's my plan for how I'm going to choose differently? And it's like, the plan is Mm -hmm. you're going to get really in touch with your experience as it's happening so that you can't betray yourself. And I think that that reaction of lashing out or stress and anxiety is a self-betrayal that we do without thinking, without feeling the betrayal because like we're so disembodied in the moment. But when we just like return to ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally, I think that it leaves no room for that betrayal and it doesn't have to be imposed on us and we don't have to be told what to do or how to react, but we just intuitively lean back into like our, our love, our compassion for ourselves, for our families, for the people around us, because we're grounded. Yeah. And that's where we access co-creation because Hashem is always trying to tell us, here's a good idea here. Like, try this, try this. Mm -hmm. And we just ignore it because like, we don't even hear it. We're so busy trying to figure it out ourselves. And if we stop trying to figure it out, we can listen to our soul talking to us. And our soul has way better ideas than our ego mind. Way better. Yes. It's like, you don't have to figure this out because you're going to get an answer and then you'll just know what to do. You're going to get an answer. You're going to get clarity and you'll know what to do. And sometimes you have to wait a long time for that and it feels impossible and it's really hard, but it's so much better to do nothing than to do something harmful. And it's so much better to sit and wait than to betray yourself. I love how you put that. It really is a betrayal of ourselves to be the person that we don't want to be. And to be the person that we want to be, it's about listening to our soul's guidance. It's listening to Hashem talking to us. And we access that through not ignoring our body and our feelings, through allowing them to be and to guide us. And sometimes it's, you know what, another another muscle I thought about Shabbos. Sometimes when I walk by myself, I just like think. So Shabbos is a good time to be SD. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm by myself walking to Shalon Shabbos, like occasionally. So this week I was. So, and this is another one of my kids' toys. Like you can learn so much from your kids' toys. Do you know how a walkie-talkie, it's like, if you want to talk, you push the button and talk. If you want to listen, all you have to do is let go of the button. And I'm imagining like the little blippy walkie-talkie, but you can think of like a more sophisticated one. Yeah. Literally that Hashem is always talking to us, always, always. And we're so busy trying to figure it out and telling him how he should do things, telling him what we want, telling him how it's not fair and it's not our fault and somebody else is to blame or like all the things we say to ourselves. And if we let go, we'll start to hear our soul talking. That is a solid deep breath. Yeah. (laughs) 
that metaphor holds so much of the truth of quieting down the noise of reactivity, the noise of anxiety, the, all mm-hmm. of that noise. And just to say, let go here for a moment. I'm coming back to what you said about being in the kitchen and cause it's such a human moment and ties in so well to all the different examples you gave being in the kitchen and just taking these intense deep breaths to ground yourself back into your experience so that you have that space. And that space is also the space of letting go and I can sort of receive what's going to happen. And here's where I'm going to ask you this question of the relationship between surrendering, between letting go, between taking our finger off the button and between showing up fully and guiding and creating. What is that relationship like in your life? Mm, Such a good question. I love it. Because life is about that balance of like choice, surrender, choose, surrender, choose, surrender. And it's like, choose and surrender and also choose surrender, like surrendering is a choice also. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, for a long time, that was a big question for me. Right now, I don't have an answer, but it's not a strong question. It's like, when you get down to the truth of, of things, there really is no paradox. Everything just makes sense it's all one. It's all oneness. So the closer you get to the truth of the oneness, the paradoxes fall away. And it's like, I don't really get the question. Like, what do you mean? It's like, I don't have this tension and I'll have it again. I'll have it again. I've had it before. I'll have it again today. It's not such a strong question for me, but I know that I go in and out of seeing clearly and I go in and out of feeling my own power that's huge for me, like cycles of creativity and spirituality and energy and things are just up and down, up and down. But the truth behind that question is that it's not at all a question. Like you don't have to figure out how to answer that. You just have to keep taking care of yourself. You just have to keep allowing yourself to go into the depths of yourself without being scared of what's going to come up or being scared and doing it anyway, because you know that you don't want to live on the surface anymore. You don't want to live with a half truth. You don't want to live with half of yourself or half of your psyche or half of your past. You want to bring it all to the table. It's all holy. It's all good. It was all created for you to learn from and grow from. And that's the path It's just keep pulling at whatever is alive for you, whatever is important to you, whatever feels good for you, keep following that. And yeah, the questions kind of fall away Mm. at some point. I think what you're saying is that when you're in that flow, when you're in that relationship with Hashem, when you're very much in a flow with your own self and all parts of you are online and are awake and have a voice in your life, then you don't experience that tension of like pause and listen, because there's a flow between there's a wholeness, there's a completeness, there's that all encompassing MS, which is touching every little piece of who you are. And you're not pausing and waiting and then moving and choosing. It's like all this one beautiful dance and flow, which I think we feel that like, I know you're a creative person and I definitely feel this when you get into like a creative flow in an activity that you're doing. And time stops, everything falls away. There are no contradictions. Anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And you really Mm -hmm. feel that. And we have that experience sometimes in life, which it sounds like you're in that space. And I'm so happy to hear that. And I wish that for all women, all people to have that 
experience of flow in their lives where things start making sense. Things are clicking into place. You don't feel that tension. You don't feel that contradiction. And I think that this path of inviting and embracing all parts of who you are allows you to get into that flow where you can at once be really active and powerful and a creator and also completely surrendering and letting go and just existing in it and in your life. Yeah. Because when you're surrendering and you're creating from a co-creator place, you're Hashem's hands and feet and mouth. That's a lot more powerful than when you are creating from, you know, your 30 years of life experience, which is great. And that's all there to serve you and you need that. But like now you're God's brilliant implementer, you know, like that's, that's pretty cool. You have a lot more to give when you're connected to the source of all wisdom and creativity. That is brilliant. It's at first, we're talking about just being in the state of flow so the tensions fall away. But I think here you actually clearly articulated what it is that causes that dissonance to melt away, which is that stepping into my power is the ultimate surrender. So it's the ultimate surrender to Hashem's strength that he endowed me with moving through me. So it's at once like a great choice to step into that energy and also a complete surrender to Hashem and to what he allows to flow through me. Yeah. And it's a feminine energy of, I don't have to figure this out. This doesn't have to make sense. It's like, we have so much more than making sense. Making sense is like, some level of creation that Hashem made to make the world go around. But we're so much more than that. We're connected to something so much deeper than that, so much deeper than logical, rational, I have to finish this because I started it. I have to do this because this is the only way to get from point A to point B. All of that is super constricting. And it's so easy to fall into that. It's so easy to believe the glorification of that in our world, in the wider, like in the whole world. But the truth is that we're so much bigger than that. And Hashem gives us access to that bigness through our desires. Do you want to expound on that? Yeah, this is a new one. This is a new one for me. But it's what a woman wants takes her to her soul's purpose. And it doesn't make any sense. And you don't have enough money. And you don't have enough time. And you have too many kids. And there's no way that you can do that. But if you want something... You don't have to have it all at once. It doesn't have to make any sense. You can take a small step towards it. You can write it down and it could sit there for five years and maybe you'll come back to it when you have more time. But like honor it, honor that desire, honor that idea. Like we get such good ideas and we just, we throw them out before they're even fully formed in our heads because we're like, that's never going to happen. I can never do that. I could never have that. Says who? Some people have it. Some people do these things. Why can't you? And we just throw it out. So following those pulls of, I want that. And I don't have to have it. But maybe I can't have it now. But I can write it down. I could tell someone. I could tell Hashem, I really would like that. Doesn't mean it's going to show up the next day. But it does mean that you have an opening to become the kind of person that could have that. Maybe you need to become the kind of person that could have that. 
instead of making things happen, can you be more of the person that is able to handle that? Wow. It's like sometimes I think I want a, a huge house and I'm like, no, I don't. I would not be interested in running a huge house. Like I can only have a huge house if I have like a house manager, like a housekeeper, like they used to have in the olden days, like where you don't have to do anything. Like I'm actually not the kind of person that is interested in taking care of a big house. And am I the kind of person that is ready and willing and able to run a retreat, which is something that I want to do? And it's like, I spun out of my head trying to create the physical conditions for this retreat to happen. And at some point I was like, stop it, stop it. Are you even ready for this? Can you picture yourself running this retreat? Are you the way now that you want to be running this retreat? And I was like, no, I kind of want to be softer. I want to be more in flow. I want to be that kind of person. And so I just stopped trying to make the retreat happen. And I'll, I'll tell you about the retreat so that people can yeah, know about I it. Want, yeah. <laughs> no, just You know about it, but I'm sure most people don't. And it's like, no, I want to be more soft. I want to be more flowy. I want to go with the flow more. That's the kind of person that I would want to go to a retreat with. So I just stopped trying to plan it. I stopped trying to spin out and create the things that needed to be created for it in the outer world. And I just focused on becoming more of that person. Mm. And to me, what that looked like in practicality was softer equals more trust. More trust. Like if I had more trust in the things that were happening around me and the things that were happening to me, that they were part of my journey, that they were part of what Hashem wants to give me and to show me and to teach me in the moment, that would be a softer person. And so that became my mantra for like months. It was like, I would start getting nervous and I'd be like, soft, trust. And I could just sit with that. And we're very trainable animals. Like we're really good with training ourselves <laughs> and we're really That's good. That's a good turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not what I was saying before, right? Yeah, no, 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 but I... You get it. Like our minds yeah. do really well with repetition, really well with reminders, as long as we're not beating ourselves up. Yeah. Gently returning to that innate flow, which is trust mm-hmm. in Hashem and that things are going to work out. I actually really appreciate how you made that distinction between instead of trying to force the outcome, let me try to create the space within myself to hold what I want. So Mm -hmm. to be able to handle running a retreat, for example, like you do need to be in a certain headspace, a certain strength, a certain power, surrender, flow, energy. And sometimes when we're forcing the practical elements of it and it's not going, it's not flowing. And we think it's like, it's because of my kids or it's because of scheduling or it's, and really it's something that's deeper, which is like when I am accessing that person inside of me that you clearly have, which is why you had that desire to run it. Right. That is everything is going to flow so seamlessly out of it. So tell us a little bit about your retreat. What is your retreat? Why are you creating it? It's very beautiful how closely tied in it is to all of this. And the fact that we pushed off this conversation a bunch of times and you just finalized the details, which I guess means that you're coming into that state of flow and energy that you were hoping to be in, in order to be able to facilitate this for other women. 
Yeah. I just want to point out, I love that you said you are capable of that, of being that person because you had that desire to create this. That is so powerful. A lot of times we'll have a desire for something. We're like, no, I'm not good enough for it. I'm not worthy of that. And it's like, well, Hashem speaks to us through our desires. And if he gave you a desire and something like we have ideas a lot, you don't have to change your life for every idea you have, you know, but sometimes you have a really strong desire for something. And it's like, if you have that desire, Hashem is letting you know that you have the capability and the worthiness to create that for yourself, to manifest that. That can be part of you. It can be part of your life because in a sense, it already is part of your life. In the realm of desire, that exists, right? In the realm of thought, now that you've thought it, it now exists in the realm of thought. It can just as easily exist in the realm of physical reality. They're all just different manifestations of the same thing. So, okay, the retreat. No, beautifully said. I just want to respond to what you said before you get into the Mm -hmm. retreat, which is, I love how you said that. I do really connect to that idea that desire is the voice of the soul. And we use our mind to talk ourselves out of our desires and explain to ourselves like why those desires will never come to fruition for us. But I think that desire is this intuition that there's something here that is meant for me. And they're literally like these little guides for us to figuring out what our soul's purpose is. And they're not something to be ignored. Like you want that because Hashem needs you there. Not because like you're too demanding of life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. We have so much shame around desires, around wanting things, about wanting to be bigger than we are. It's like so much shame built in and it's like, no, your desire is your intuition telling you that there's something there for you. I love, love how you put that. Okay. So tell us about your desire for this retreat. What is your vision? My desire. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I realized at some point through the guidance of someone very amazing that I really have this long-term desire to create retreats. I don't know where that came from. I don't know what it means. It's just... It's like what I want to be doing full time and is to like bring people together to get into a very deep space that you can only get into when you're kind of disconnected from the world to get into a very spiritual space and to see that you're not alone in that desire for a spiritual space. Like sensitive spiritual people can feel very alone because a lot of the world is not interested in that. And depending on your family or your community or like the people you hang out with, sometimes it can feel very lonely. And there's something about bringing people together to nourish both physically and spiritually and to create something that is just really magical in a physical and spiritual way together. Because combining physical and spiritual beauty is like my thing. And I never knew what that would look like. Like I always knew that that's my goal and I have no idea what that means. Like, okay, I'll do it a little bit here with my art, a little bit here. Like I really didn't know what it means. And this feels like a step towards that. And when I realized that like I want to be running retreats, but like, oh, it's so far out because like, oh, I need to have a house for that. I need to have my own place. It was like, I don't know. I had all these ideas. And all of a sudden it was like, well, you really don't need that much. Like you can just get an Airbnb and put it out there. It's not such a big deal. I was like, okay, then I really want to do that. And it took 
many months and many seasons. When I say seasons, I mean cycles of flow and constriction and expansion and constriction. And it's like, we just go through that all the time. And if it's not the right time for something, it's okay. It like, it might be the right time for it in a month or two. And part of the cycle for me was needing to find the right person to do it with me because I, I didn't want to get stuck in planning the details. I wanted to be very present for the energy and the facilitating of it. And Baruch Hashem, Hashem has finally sent me someone and now it feels like the right time. And we just booked at this house that is really too expensive, but like I need it because the physical space, like we started off this conversation, the physical space is so important to me. And I don't think it needs to be important to everybody. Like totally not. I think you could have an incredible, uplifting, connecting, perfect retreat in a place that isn't so beautiful and that isn't exactly right. But for me personally, that's really important to have the right space that feels energetically Mm -hmm. just right and luxurious and beautiful and properly set up for the things that I want to do and not too far and enough beds and whatever. It was like complicated, but we booked this beautiful house upstate. It's like in the Hudson Valley and it's just going to be three days of a lot of connection with ourselves. And I think the group, I love doing group work. I love facilitating a group and the group will be there as a support and a sisterhood and a validation and someone to lean on and a place to make friends that are similar to you. That can be hard to find. And then it's just a lot of getting in touch with ourselves. So much of what we spoke about today, so much of what do I do when I feel stuck creatively? What is not working for me? How do I access my inner world and honor myself? How do I take care of myself beyond the physical self-care, but like real self-care, holding all the parts of yourselves, all the things that you're ashamed of, all the things that you just want to get rid of. It's like all of those are teachers for you. And in the retreat, we're going to talk a lot about that and do a lot of workshops and do some hands-on, intuitive, creative art stuff. But it's not for artists. It's really not only for artists. It's for any woman that feels a creative or spiritual drive and has ideas and has opinions. And it doesn't feel like they're fully expressing themselves or just wants to be in a space where they can fully express themselves even more. Yeah. I think it's beautiful that you spoke about doing this type of work in a gathering, in a retreat setting, in a space where women come together. Because to me, that's the ultimate co-creation is when we connect in that space of the imminence and transcendence of Hashem in our lives and in our creativity and in the way that we show up to the world. When we do that together, I think we really feel that push and pull between different energies, like being held and also giving and contributing and holding each other. So it's very beautiful to be bringing women together, to be exploring this creative process, which is life. Yeah. And sometimes what Hashem sends you for your creation is another person. And like, we're all connected to this web of wisdom. Like we're all connected to the same web of wisdom. Do you know this Like something I found out recently is that in the forest, there's a whole network of fungus 
that weaves around the tree roots and the whole forest is connected like that. And the trees actually communicate with each other through an actual physical network. Like you would never know that. It's like people get very cynical, like it's so unscientific that a tree could take care of another tree, but then you see like proof of it. Like there's an actual physical network and the mushrooms in the forest are just the fruit of the fungus, Mm. but the roots are like all connected. And I think about that a lot. And it's like, we are really, truly like that. We're all connected with each other because we're all connected to the infinite. We're all directly, literally connected. Like we just don't see it. We don't have the eyes to see it. But if we develop the faculties of listening to our soul, we can really see it. We can really see it and feel it. I think that brings us very much full circle to where we started, which is that when we lean into our feelings and our emotions, we access that deep intuition and knowing. And I absolutely agree with you. And we hear this idea that like all souls are interconnected. We're all part of one soul. We're all part of the infinite. It feels like this very far off idea, but as you lean more deeply into your own inner self, intuition, knowing, and you begin to see how we are so connected with each other. You even open speaking about the retreat, saying that it was through the help of guidance of someone special in your life that led you to being able to claim this desire and this power and accessing that flow. We are meant to aid each other on our journeys of creating a beautiful world. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much, Esty. Oh, wait, do you have something else you wanted to say? I had something that I wanted to say, but I can't remember it. Like I just, it came up when you were talking and then I I forgot. I hate when that happens. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like, God didn't want me to say it right now. And like, that's it. I I see the troubled. I could let it, no, but I really could let it go. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm still trying. (laughs) You seem a little troubled. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm actually, I'm fine. And if I remember it, whatever, I'll just tell you privately. Yeah. Then you can just let me know. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This was beautiful. I really appreciate how you're embodying the ideas that you're discussing, that you're literally in process of creating something, surrendering to Hashem, obviously also on a day-to-day basis, just showing up to life, showing up to your family, showing up to taking care of yourself and being in a relationship with Hashem. Thank you for bringing- I remember. I remember. Ah! Should I say it? (laughs) Yes, please do. Okay. I wanted to just point out as you were talking that you reminded me of this. We, at least for me, there's like this cynical idea somewhere floating in the air that working on yourself and taking care of yourself is selfish. It's like self-centered. And it's like nothing could be further from the truth. You taking care of yourself, getting in touch with yourself is your mission. It is what you're meant to do in this world. And it does not have to end up in a place of selfishness, it's you're taking care of one piece of this whole picture. You're one part of this whole grand scheme of life, like Hashem's creation. And your job is to take care of that, to dig into that, to follow the threads of desire and intuition to wherever they lead you. And you bring light into the world by being more of yourself. Like you are the light. It's like bring light into the world 
Like, yes, tell someone to do a mitzvah. That's beautiful and it's great and it's a piece of it. But what about you? Like your soul is the light that we're talking about here. The more you get in touch with that, the more you can express that, that's how we bring the light into the world. Yeah. That is so beautifully said. And I think that you said like, yes, you do a mitzvah and you yourself are light. I think that I personally really trust, and I'm curious to hear if you have this feeling or this sense too, that the more deeply we trust ourselves, our intuition, and we follow that, the more it actually leads us to Hashem and leads us intuitively and naturally to the mitzvahs. It's not something that takes us away from that. I think sometimes we have this feeling of like, if I follow my desire, it will take us away from it. And I think that trusting that I don't have to know exactly how the cause is going to lead to the effect, but I trust that I am a soul. I'm a piece of a divine. And that when I get to know who I am, it leads me closer to God and that the path may not be linear, but it is definitely the way home and the way to Hashem. Yeah. It's like, totally. We're taught that we're two souls, right? You're an animal soul and a godly soul. And how did we get the idea that what we are at our core is an animal soul? Yeah. Like that was not the point. The point is that what are you really is a godly soul. You also have this part of you that's going to make life really hard and it's going to make seeing God really hard. But I don't know. I feel like I got this message. If you follow your desires and you do what you want and you feel good in things, you're going to end up like, I don't know, on the streets, like a terrible (laughs) person. Like why? The deeper that you dig, the worse you'll get. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Where on earth did we pick that up from? I think it's very common message. Like we're scared to understand ourselves. We're scared to go to therapy. We're scared to explore the deeper parts of ourselves because what if I just want to drop everything? Well, does Hashem want you in this relationship? Or does he want just some outer surface layer of you? Does he want you in your soul? Like, why don't we think that if we discover and dissect our desires and our beliefs and our experiences and our subconscious, that we'll find light and a person desperate to do a mitzvah? Of course, that's what we'll find. If we believe what the Torah says, then that should be our belief. Yeah. Full stop. Nothing more to add. I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. It's very real. And I think that we don't have to be afraid of what's inside. Just as you said, learning about animal soul, godly soul is not that there's a piece of you that's a godly soul, but really you're an animal soul. It's like, no. Really, you're terrible. Yeah. There's there's a distraction. (laughs) And even the animal soul itself is not only a distraction, but that's, you know, that's a whole conversation in itself. The animal soul is there to lead you to your godly soul. Full stop. It's there to teach you about your godly soul. You just have to learn how to understand it. Yeah. Another conversation. Another conversation, exactly. Because I feel like, oh, I already, I already got like my paws out. And I was like, <laughs> I'm ready. But no, we, we, did a, we did a full conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It is a good one. Maybe we'll have another one. Part two. <laughs> animal soul, godly soul. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to, I feel good. I'm so honored to be part of this conversation. Like what you're doing here is just, this is it. These are the conversations we need to be having. This is what Hashem wants us to move towards. This is a state of Mashiach, this kind of conversation, peeling away the layers of what's holding us back. What's not allowing us to show up. What's not allowing us to believe that we are God, that we are an actual piece of God. 
that's the goal of creation. So thanks for letting me be part of this. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your full self to this conversation and letting <laughs> us in because it, it allows myself and it allows me and it allows anyone who is listening to this to receive it with their full self and with their full authenticity and not have to pretend like parts of themselves don't exist in order to mm. experience the yes. ideas that you're sharing, but to yes. be able to feel it click in every part of their own experience. So thank you, Esty. I hope so. That's the goal. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Elokai zakinina betoatra uvimitotecha Mechamberet nishmati tamidilecha Mechamber If you enjoyed today's episode and it sparked something for you, touched your heart or touched a raw nerve or just got you thinking, I want to invite you to keep this godly conversation going. Share the episode with a friend. Tag us on social media with your follow-up thoughts. Let's get the truths of Torah into the atmosphere. The world needs it right now more than ever. You can email us at info at humanandholy.com. Find us on Instagram at humanandholy. And you can sponsor an episode or give it any amount through our site, humanandholy.com slash sponsor. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single one. And while you're at it, feel free to leave us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast and it brings us joy. Thanks for listening and we'll talk next week.